Good day. You're tuned into Free City Radio. Uh, this is the 58th edition. I'm your host, uh, Stefan Christophe, in Montreal. It is Tuesday, September 7th, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Free City Radio comes out every Tuesday. Uh, today on the program, I'm going to be um, sharing some perspectives from a conference that I co-hosted with Alternatives, which is uh, International Solidarity and social justice-oriented organization uh, here in Montreal, Alternatives.ca. This conference was actually broadcast on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal, uh, Campus Community Radio, where I also host a program. The conference was uh, entitled um, Perspectives on Resistance and Resilience in Chile. And the conference was focused on highlighting Chilean voices um, reflecting on the mass social movements that have reshaped the political landscape in Chile over the last couple of years. Of course, these movements don't uh, exist in a, in a historical vacuum. They are connected to generations of resistance to injustice within Chile, dating back to the opposition and movements and struggles against the Pinochet dictatorship in the 1970s and 80s. Um, within recent years, the feminist movement in Chile has reshaped a lot of the political discussion and obviously played a huge role in the movement that has forced the government to create a process, first through a national referendum uh, and now through a consultation that is taking place um, to rewrite the Chilean constitution, a constitution that was shaped in the context of the Pinochet dictatorship and which never uh, was changed in the years after the, the dictatorship was defeated. Um, feminist movements uh, through uh, groups like Las Tisas have also um, taken on and fought publicly patriarchal social relations in Chile. And uh, within the context of the pandemic, uh, what we've seen is on a neighborhood level, a lot of uh, organization taking place to support um, people struggling with uh, economic inequality in the context of the COVID crisis within Chile, uh, particularly through what has taken place on a neighborhood level which is the opening of community kitchens, often led by women uh, within the neighborhood context. So we hear about that within this conference. We'll hear three uh, presentations today on the broadcast. I'm really uh, happy to share these voices. First, we'll hear from Javiara Araya, uh, who has helped create an initiative that basically um, pooled together uh, a list and a resource portal online of all the community kitchens that uh, opened up in Santiago. Um, it's really an impressive initiative. We'll then hear from Sibylla Sotomayor, Van Rezachem uh, of Las Tisas Collective. That's a famous Chilean art collective based in Valparaiso. Um, who speaks about the work that they do and the feminist movement in Chile and the intersection of art and activism. We'll then, after that, hear from Jacilla 
Firaes, uh, who has worked within the Chilean diaspora in Montreal through a project called Place de la Dignité that has worked to support community kitchens within the context of the pandemic within Chile. So these are the presentations we'll hear. We're very lucky to hear these perspectives of Chilean women, both within Chile and within the diaspora. I'm really uh, happy and honored to share these voices here on Free City Radio. So here they are. And um, thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast uh, today, the podcast. This is the 58th edition. I'm Stefan Christoph. And here are the voices from resistance and resilience in Chile. What uh, I would like to talk about today is uh, is my experience that um, I had last year in 2020, a little bit by accident, because I, I ended up spending a lot of time in Santiago without necessarily wanting to, but because of the of the pandemic, I I got involved in, in Santiago where I was and where I'm from originally, involved with an organization called La Olla de Chile. There is a website, it's called laolladechile.com. And what is that? It's a platform, it's really a website that is more about diffusion, the, uh, it's more about information than the actual grassroots work, which is what I will explain right now. What is an Olla Comun, which is what the kind of organization that this network, this platform puts together. Ollas Comunes, or Olla Comun, and Olla in Spanish is a pot, but it's a, like a pot to cook, but it's a big one. A big one where you can put different things, different ingredients you can have. And this has started, this has been part of Chilean history for a long time, especially during the dictatorship in the last in the like the last years of the 70s and the first years of the 80s where there was this big economic crisis in Chile so people didn't have enough food to eat and what did they do they started cooking together this wasn't a formal organization this was really neighborhoods and different houses and then you may have one house that had two tomatoes another house that had um, potatoes another house had beans another house had bread and yeah, two potatoes are not enough to have one meal for your family alone by themselves. But if you put them together with what your neighborhood, your neighbors had, other families, then you can take advantage of the of the economy scale and get enough food for everybody. Maybe not everybody, but a bigger uh, number of of families. So this is the organization. It's something that really starts from the ground this is like people getting organized in their own neighborhoods to get something very basic as food with the pandemic the economic crisis with the pandemic the fact that people weren't able to have to go to work to get enough income or to get enough food because also uh, it has to be said the, the pandemic in chile was very different the kind of restrictions people had, especially in big cities such as Valparaíso, Santiago, Concepción, Antofagasta, where it was forbidden for people to go outside without a very specific authorization that was very limited. And if you go outside and if you are caught, you could end up spending the night in, in jail, for example. So that this made it impossible for many people who had informal jobs selling things on the street, for example, to get food for their for their families. 
So what happened is that these ollas comunes starting appearing in in the, in, in like starting started functioning. We had a list of at least like 300 ollas comunes working in different cities in Chile, and we wanted to in this uh, network. We tried to we asked them how they were working, and this is a little bit what I will try to to talk about because the kind of connection that I think this shows with what is the title of the panel, this idea of resistance and resilience, is that this is really political organization from the ground. This is people getting organized between them in neighborhoods. This has to be close to each other. So sometimes they would ask help to the bakery in the same neighborhood. Sometimes they would ask like another neighbor who was selling some produce and to give it to, to donate it to them, to the Oya Comun. And this was like the kind of organization that people did in the to not like the, for something very basic as eating. For us, what was also very important is that through the platform, people who wanted to donate money to Ollas Comunes, they could do it. So we raised like uh, about around $50,000, but there were other, other platforms like this. The important is not the amount. What is important is that we ask the Ollas Comunes to what extent this money was important, to what extent the donations were what was making these Ollas Comunes work. And what they said, it was like, yeah, donations are important. They were, of course, important. They made possible for Ollas Comunes to function. But the key was the neighborhood. The key was what the members of the Ollas Comunes were giving. We asked them to, to what extent what the government is giving you, because sometimes municipal governments also donated some things to the Ollas Comunes. Was this what make, was making people... Uh, being able to 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 eat no it was really the neighborhood it was really the actual members of the Ollas Comunes who were getting organized so to my 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 point here this is really about resistance from people who are actually in the in, in who have the need who don't have any other option that getting to work with each other to survive and to get by every Every, every day. This is solidarity, this is mutual aid that made this Ollas Comunes work in a kind of survival politics that at the end was the way of resisting the neoliberal system that exists in Chile. I think I'll, I'll stop there. I'm Sibila. I'm from Colectivo Las Tesis from Valparaíso. I am in Valparaíso right now here in Chile. Um, what we do with our collective is trying to find ways of, uh, of resistance, actually, <laughs> um, against all these different forms of oppression, but from an intersectional point of view that combines all these social issues, but from a feminist perspective. And this feminist perspective is uh, a point of view that combines the struggle of women, but also from people from the LGBTQAI plus community. This is very important for us as a collective. So every time that we make open calls, for example, for political artistic action for performances, is always this open call to women and people from the LGBTQAI plus community. We think that we share a lot of the violence from the neoliberal system, but also from, from patriarchy that is everywhere. It's not only in Chile, of course, it's also in Canada and all around the globe. 
it is a structural system that is oppressing us oppressing us and that's our fight and we think that this feminist point of view is actually um, related like really like in the core of the social issues of the social demands everything that we were listening in the streets in october of 2019 uh, we think is a feminist struggle too we don't think it's something that it, you can separate really because we think that sometimes some people try to separate like to say ah, that kind of problem, like the feminist struggles or the feminist issues are from like a second category or a third one or a fourth one or a fifth one, etc. And we don't think it's like that. We think that everything is related and that actually in feminism uh, from this also queer point of view is the, the answer to our problems, our social, political, economical, cultural problems and uh, we also think that a way to resist to this is through art and this is very important in this discussion probably because it's doing activism but from an artistic also point of view so it's a feminist point of view but it's also an artistic from point of view is taking the languages and materialities from art and uh, weaponize them <laughs> uh, translated into weapons against all these systems that oppress us and we think this is very important when you're also a woman and a queer people um queer person that you are fighting from your body you are demanding rights for your body from your body you are denouncing violence that goes through all your body and your life from your body too like uh, really taking that vulner vulnerability uh, but weaponizing it like uh, we we think that it 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 ends up being a uh, a weapon of resistance and a way of fighting all this and we think there's a big power of uh, metaphor la metafora of this metaphorical uh, way of approaching approaching sorry these uh, struggles uh, the fact that it's more uh, difficult from the political point of view, from the institutional political point of view, to take this, you know, like to appropriate what we do and then just empty all the meaning and just take like the form and, and then they take our weapons, you know. We think that in this metaphorical point of view, it's more difficult. Like, like to be appropriate from this uh, political, this institutional political point of view. And we think that, I don't know if I'm, if I'm being clear, I'm very sorry, I hope it, this is clear. <laughs> if it's not clear, then I, I can, okay, thank you. <laughs> so what we always argue and where, where we stand is in the political, that is not the same of this institutionalized political uh, sphere. In Spanish, the difference is between la política and lo político. There's a difference there. And lo político is in the base, is where the people are struggling, like Javiera just uh, told us, like, for example, through ollas comunes, uh, or for example, through performance, or through any other ways of fighting uh, that we think all of them are very valid even if there are different, you know, it's different ways of resisting, resist all this type of violence. And just to, to, to finish, to round up a little bit, uh, I also think personally that in the feminist struggles, there's an historical 
um, like prerogative, you could say, to fight from your body, to fight from performance uh, in this feminist and LGBTQI plus uh, fight. There's always this, this thing about how we take our body, our body as a, a territory of oppressions and we transform it into uh, this weapon, this way to say what we want to say and to fight against what we want to fight. And so in that point, in that way, we think that we are like inscribed in, in a tradition, a tradition of feminist movements, of feminist fights from performance, from the body. And this is a very particular way to uh, face the political, to, to also activate the political um, from the body. And we think it's also different from a masculine uh, hegemonic, hegemonica, uh, point of view. We think it's, it's different also. It's another way to approach the political. And it, it is also historical. It's not something new, actually. And we really believe in that transformative power of performance. This idea that performance through body, we can really um, generate an impact. We can really um, um, disrupt these political spheres and these fields of power. That's a little bit like the thesis of, of, of all this. Yes. Um, yeah. And then I could just go deeper in this and other subjects, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Gisela, Gisela Frias, and I was born in Valparaíso, Chile, and I've been living in, in Canada for a really long time now. Um, I think it's important to sort of situate how Place La Dignité uh, as a collective emerged. Um, back in October 2019, as the social uprising was um, taking place in Chile, um, many of us who are part of the diaspora, um, Chilean diaspora all, all, all over the world, relived um, a sense of, of trauma, um, but also a sense of hope. So the trauma was coming from the place of seeing the repression um, with which the uprising was met. Um, and it sort of brought us back to you know, those of us that experienced the, the coup d'etat in, in 1973, either our parents or, or us as children, um, or the impact of the dictatorship and the neoliberal regime that it established and perpetuated even after the dictatorship. So that, that, that trauma um, came back alive um, for many of us. Uh, I'm happy to say that for also many of us, it didn't, um, it didn't stop us, it's, if anything, it put us in motion. It made us also want to be part of the movement um, of the uprising itself in Chile, we sort of identify ourselves as um, as part of, um, of a territory, um, maybe not a, a physical, you know, a natural territory within Chile, but definitely one um, that is is linked to what is happening in Chile socially and, and politically. Um, so, so the the collective is um, made up of a, a group of Chileans. Um, who, you know, under those circumstances came together and, and started to figure out what our role um, in, in terms of linking to this uprising was. Um, so one of the first objectives that we set for ourselves was 
at that moment, and, and sadly we have not been able to stop um, doing this, is to denounce the human right violations uh, taking place in, in, in Chile. Right? So uh, we began, like a lot of our work at the beginning was pointing out um, to the oppression, to the, the violence with which um, demonstrators were, um, were met um, in Chile. And in bringing uh, race and awareness internationally um, about that. Um, secondly, as, as Canadian residents and, and citizens, it was important for us to also uh, work in making sure that the Canadian government recognized um, the human rights violations and denounced that. Uh, so we've done some, some work um, in that area. Um, one that hasn't been quite successful and that we um, account to the fact there's a, a certain complicity with the, uh, in terms of the Canadian government and its support of neoliberal regimes, um, not only in Chile, but throughout Latin America. Um, so there's definitely an ideological um, <laughs> a link uh, there, right? And, and more than ideological, maybe I'll speak to that a little bit later in terms of the economic benefits, right? That it means for Canada to, to not question the, the economic and political system that actually set up the, the uprising. And then thirdly, as a, a sort of this um, territory abroad, we, in this link, you know, to part of the social movement, we wanted to also um, be um, a place of support um, for social uh, mobilization in Chile. And, and very quickly, it, it was very clear to us that um, resistance and resilience in Chile has um, the face of a woman. Um, so as soon as, as the pandemic happened, um, we were quite worried to see, um, uh, to hear from Chile that um, hunger was definitely um, uh, an issue. And uh, we started to see, as, as Javiera you know, pointed out, the, um, the, the open sort of organizing of all these um, Oya Comun, uh, open collective kitchens. So we, um, we set up a campaign. Um, most of the work that we do sets in raising awareness. So making sure that uh, for sure the idea was not to necessarily just send, send money to the poor, right, in Chile, but instead um, work in solidarity um, in, in support in whichever way we could the work that women were doing all throughout Chile. We set out to to even identify, figure out like, who is doing these like ollas comunes. And, and my gosh, we, we ended up contacting with like 13 um, different uh, organizations, whether they call themselves collectives or, or assemblies, um, or, or even, you know, not necessarily all of them working under uh, the, an umbrella of identifying themselves as feminists, but for sure, um, women of all different backgrounds, we're talking about, you know, young women, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the group in, in Arica that calls um, themselves the Quiltras de Arica. A Quiltro is, is, a, is a street dog, right? And, and that's the name that they have chosen for themselves. Young high school um, women that um, were organizing, not just for the purpose of um, supporting an Oya Comun in their neighborhood, um, but 
but aware in working on issues of uh, gender violence, um, and not just to raise awareness, but to actually be there to accompany other women um, in, in, um, in, in denouncing it, you know, feminicides in Chile, but also being there for them. In, in Chile, there's this word that's called, uh, it says, apañe, apañar. Um, and, you know, it, it really means to accompany, but it's also it's like to put your shoulder, like, on, on, on to someone, uh, to support them um, emotionally, financially. Um, we, something that we learned from the organizing of the Ollas Comunes is that, as I said, it was like high school um, women uh, learning about, you know, um, gender violence, uh, about abortion, um, learning about the rights, teaching the, the, even the younger generation about these issues. Um, in such a clarity in terms of, um, where this was all coming from, being able to talk about the patriarchy, being able to talk about capitalism, being able to identify um, whether we're living um, not as, as a simple, a simple poverty, but as a result of a system, right? Um, and um, in, indefinitely with a banner that said, you know, neoliberalism was born in Chile and it will, it will die in Chile. And for, for those of us um, outside of Chile, uh, seeing that, um, that was like a, a huge a sign of hope, right? So yes, we lived trauma, but we also lived hope um, as we connected with all these different collectives. Um, there's so much more that I like, that I say, I think the only other thing I'm going to point out is um, something else that I, I think is um, a very important work that, that women and, and feminist groups are doing in Chile right now is um, working and demanding justice for all the young, especially young men that have been imprisoned throughout the pandemic. Right? So we have an important number of political prisoners in Chile right now. And it's their mothers, their sisters, their wives, the ones that are um, calling for action. Um, they're calling for justice. Um, and they're the ones also that are having to pick up um, in all sort of areas you know, of their lives, um, the, their families. Um, one of some, something that we've done in terms of denouncing, um, you know, Canada's sort of complicit uh, attitude in, in terms of human rights violations in Chile is we've supported um, um, a campaign um, of, of signatures. We collected more than a thousand five hundred signatures um, through a petition. Uh, we worked in collaboration with other collectives um, throughout um, Canada to demand that our government um, makes a, a clear statement. Um, sadly, the the statement that that came back um, was quite quite weak. Not much of an acknowledgement of the human rights violations, nor of how Chile profits from the neoliberal system of um, that that has made everything in Chile. Um, an industry for trade, for export, um, or you know, like foreign investment. Um, I mean, I'm, the the the. It's no. Um, it's very common knowledge, right, that we've got Canadian mining companies in Chile 
Uh, we're talking about over 40 um, companies with more than 100 mining projects. And women are in the forefront of the struggles for you know, what we might want to call the environment or, or simply life <laughs> um, in Chile as well. Right? Um, and we can't deny that that, that links us. Um, I'm also a teacher, so for me, it's just so important um, to, to raise awareness among um, our youth, among, among Canadians, about the links that there are between um, the North and the South, right? um, and the links that, that um, how they have been made through the neoliberal agenda, so that if change is going to happen, it's going to have to happen um, not only through the work that you know, our sisters are doing in Chile, but also through our, uh, our work. Um, so working in solidarity. And um, yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there. You've heard three uh, presentations that were shared within the context of a conference that Free City Radio co-hosted with Alternatives, which is an international solidarity and social justice focused organization based in Montreal. Um, this was a conference on resistance and resilience in Chile, looking at social movements and particularly feminist movements in Chile. We heard from Javier Araya, uh, who spoke about the initiative to sustain and develop community kitchens within the context of the pandemic to serve and support uh, low-income people that were affected by the lockdowns and the economic turbulence of the pandemic. We also heard from Sibylla Sotomayor van Riesaham of Las Tisas, which is a feminist art and activist collective based in Valparaiso, which had an enormous impact on Chilean uh, discussion, social discussions around gender and patriarchy within the context of Chilean social movements and beyond. We then heard from Gisela Firaes of Place de la Dignité, which is a diasporic group based in Montreal that has been working to support um, Chilean community kitchens uh, in the context of the pandemic. Thank you so much to Alternatives for the collaboration uh, on this conference. Uh, it, it was really a pleasure to organize this um, as a joint initiative between Free City Radio and Alternatives. Um, and thank you for listening. Um, really uh, would encourage people to follow up and learn about these initiatives in Chile. I think the social movements there have been historic, important, unprecedented. Those are big words, but when you look into it and to try to understand the ways that social movements have successfully reshaped political, social, gender, economic frameworks in Chile over recent years. It is truly astounding. This has been the 58th edition of Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph. I have a new edition every Tuesday. Thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, we'll be back with you next Tuesday. Um, I'll go out with a piece of music um, by Nicholas Jarre. And do uh, listen next week. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend, Free City Radio. You can find the podcast around. And uh, I'll talk to you next week.